for me, practicum really tied everything together as to what a day in the life of a child specialist looked like. And so from therapeutic play to procedure prep to bereavement and memory making, had I not had this experience, I feel like heading into my internship, there just wouldn't have been enough time for me to go from an observational experience to learning and growing in my independence as a specialist. Welcome to the Child Life Wildlife Podcast, a platform dedicated to sharing the honest ins and outs and vulnerable truths about the child life profession with your host, Jessica Lewin. Come and gain tangible next steps and confidence as you learn how to use your child life skills, protect your mental health, and glean inspiration, hope, and ideas from fellow certified child life specialists, students, and professionals. And now, here's your host, Jessica Lewin. Hello, and welcome to the Child Life Wildlife Podcast. Today I have on the show Jenny Casares, Aislin Dorito, Haley Alexander, and Connor Jensen to talk about their experiences as practicum students. And they just have really great information for anybody who's on the fence about whether or not they want to pursue a practicum. We talk a little bit about how important practicums are because All of us agreed that the practicum experience really does shape you into a confident, hopefully confident, child life intern. I will preface that I have absolutely known students and future specialists who have gone through child life without getting a practicum and going straight into their internship. It is possible. I have seen it happen. It's not common, I will say. I do think there is a lot of value that is added when you do a practicum. And you're going to hear throughout this episode what that value is to each of these students. So without further ado, here is my conversation with the practicum panel. Hi, practicum panel. Thank you so much for being on the Child Life Wildlife podcast. Hello. Hi, Hi, Jessica. Thank you for having us. You're welcome. I'm excited to talk a little bit about your practicum experiences and the uniqueness of those. Before we get started, I'm just going to have you all go around and say your name, level of education, and what rotations you are or did do in your practicum. Yeah, I'll, I'll go first. I don't mind. Uh, my name is Haley Alexander. I currently hold a bachelor's in psychology and a master's in child life. And I completed my practicum in Alabama with rotations in inpatient oncology, ED, and behavioral health. Awesome. My name is Aislinn DiRito. I am currently in my senior year of my undergrad, majoring in human development and family studies. I just completed my practicum in North Carolina with rotations in one-day surgery and a float slash support inpatient role, as well as the ED, the emergency department. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm Jenny Cazares, and I have a bachelor's in psychology, and I'm doing my master's degree in child life. I completed my practicum in California in a trauma center, so I didn't have a like a specific rotation, so I saw a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm Connor Jensen. I completed both my bachelor's of science and my master's of science in family and child life, specializations in child life. And my practicum was overseas in South Africa and looked very different from <laughs> most any other. So the rotations part wasn't really there. It was mm-hmm. more of a uh, based in assessment and observation skill building. Awesome. Talk a little bit about what each of you did to prepare for your practicum. Was there anything looking back that you wish you did or didn't do? I can go again. This is Haley again. I think in order to prepare myself best in my practicum, I really prioritized my diverse professional experience in a hospital setting, volunteering outside of the hospital, and then also just seeking after a master's that um, since my undergraduate degree was not child life focused. For me, working in a hospital setting really allowed for connections with child specialists. And so I really did take advantage of those opportunities and not being afraid to ask them questions. Um, mm-hmm. That certainly was intimidating at times, but I just really had to remind myself that at one point they were in my shoes mm-hmm. um, and then trust that they were passionate enough about their careers to share helpful advice that would really propel me forward. I was probably a little less responsible when it came to the preparation <laughs> aspect. At the time, I was uh, I was working full-time in applied behavioral analysis, so you know, kids with all types of developmental delays and 
yeah, it was exhausting and <laughs> mentally taxing. And so, you know, in those weeks leading up to leaving the country to go to my practicum experience, it was, I kind of constantly beat myself up over, oh, I should have read or I should have mm -hmm. done this. And honestly, it ended up kind of being best for me. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, th there's really not a ton that can prepare you for um, something completely different than you're expecting. So mm -hmm. uh, it didn't really bite me too bad. But the one thing that I kept in mind and, and was really helpful for me was, you know, going into it. And I think this is pretty you know, universal with every practicum. You're going to get what you put in. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I was able to kind of self-reflect going into that process and and really determine, you know, how much work did I want to do? How much time did I want to spend outside of the hospitals, uh, you know, reflecting on things? And I think that, you know, my goal was to get as much knowledge as I possibly could. So in that month, I think I did pretty well with that one. Okay, this is Jenny talking. So I was working full time. So I have to make the decision if I was going to continue working full time and doing practicum because my practicum was twice a week, eight hours. So I had to quit my job mm. and then start the process for my practicum. And I was taking a lot of classes at the same time. So I needed that space. And then I did a lot of research in the hospital that I was placed in, uh, getting to know like who was a medical director who was a child life in, in the in the hospital, in the PT unit. I also had to talk to myself, like, this is an opportunity for you to learn. You're going to make mistakes, and that's okay. Um, you're here to learn. You're not here to know everything on the mm -hmm. first day. And then just be willing to open myself to learning and receiving feedback. I think that's, like, the hardest part when you're doing practicum is receiving feedback and not taking it personal. Yeah. Because they're just trying to help you be a better specialist. They're not trying to tell you how to do the work. They just mm -hmm. want you to be better. So I think that was a uh, most important preparing to practicum was like being open to receiving that feedback without taking anything personal. This is Aislinn. Uh, I was really fortunate to have found child life and gotten my practicum in my undergrad still. And so I didn't have to balance the working full time or anything. I work part time as a nanny. And so I was able to let that go for the six weeks. And I also I used to teach ballet classes for little toddlers. And I mm. uh, had recently stopped that. So like I had the freedom. And I was just in my in my classes, but I didn't have any for the summer. So I had a lot of flexibility that way. But I also prepared by volunteering at a children's hospital with the Playroom Child Life Assistant and talking with the child life specialist there, which was really neat. It was a smaller off-site location of the main children's hospital in this in Colorado. And so I was able to explore more of the hospital than maybe in a different hospital before my practicum, which was nice. I also didn't prepare as much as I would have liked for my interview, mostly because I didn't expect to get it. But mm. I think it actually worked in my favor because I didn't put a ton of pressure on myself. I was like, we're just going to have a conversation. And it ended up being a really great conversation and actually boosted my confidence and, and recognizing that I really do like belong in this field. I was talking to people who were like-minded and I actually knew what I was talking about. And it was a, it was a good confidence boost. And I ended up getting that practicum. I think you should definitely prepare for your <laughs> interview, but also take the pressure off and trust your knowledge and everything you've built up to I cannot speak highly enough to organization being such a high priority during the entire child life journey. How did each of you manage to organize your time, resources, applications? Is there any advice that you can give to somebody going through the process? When I was applying, I made, I love making folders and organizing things mm -hmm. on my computer. And so I made a different folder for each practicum location that I was applying to. And within each of those put all of my resources and the requirements and like different letters of recommendation and essay questions and all of that kind of stuff. And I also linked that to my Google Drive. So I was able to access it from anywhere and not just from my practicum resources, but all my child life resources. I have those folders available everywhere, which is really helpful for me. So then I can anytime something comes up and I have a new resource or I have a new question that I want to ask my supervisors or I have a thought for future internship interview questions or values that I want to speak to and hold in my child life work, I add it to a growing list of like 
master master list of resources just on my computer. I love that. I did something actually very similar. This is Haley again, by the way. Fortunately for me, organization is an area that I thrive in. <laughs> um, but Google Drive really was my best friend during this time for and for just even all the different hospital resources too, because there were so many. It could easily become very overwhelming if you're applying to five places, 10 places, or 15 places. It was as so a lot of information. And so mm -hmm. for each hospital that I was applying to, I would assign a colored folder in Google Drive with, you know, the hospital name. And then within that folder was the specific hospital application, what those tasks were that I needed to complete for each hospital and then where they would need to be sent to. Because some were via email, some were, you know, via mail. You mm -hmm. had to ship them off via UPS. And so then after all those tasks were complete, all I had to do was go hospital by hospital, download each document attach them in an email, hit send, and just knowing that all of that correct information was attached. And then the same thing for the applications that were getting mailed off, just printing all of those copies and then putting them in individual folders. I think for me, organizing my time was probably a little bit more of a challenge than maybe the like actual physical organization in like Google Drive. Mm -hmm. At the time, I was in my first semester of master's, maintaining a job, and I was freshly married. Um, mm -hmm. I had just been married for a few months, so it was a little bit tricky, and I had to just set weekly goals for myself. One week, I was reaching out and sending emails to get my references in order and get those completed. The next week, I was perfecting my resume, and then the next week, tackling essay questions. And I think one thing that I found in the essay question area was, fortunately, a lot of the questions were very comparable hospital to hospital, maybe mm -hmm. just worded a little bit differently. So that kind of made it feel a little less overwhelming, just tweaking those responses to each question. And this is Jenny talking. I did the same thing, like spreadsheets, where <laughs> all the hospitals that I was applying, like coloring each of them, all the requirements. At the time that I was applying for practicum, I was working and I was taking classes in the afternoon. So I was a little bit overwhelmed. And then I had this plan, how to stay organized. You know, life happens. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have to be flexible and open that you don't have everything under control all the time, even if you're super organized. During my practicum, I actually caught COVID in the hospital after oh. being free of it for three years. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm one of oh the goodness. chosen ones. <laughs> and then I got COVID during my practicum. So I had to like also take a week off of my practicum. And that was something that I was not counting on happening. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, I have my calendar with this week. I'm doing practicum this day and I'm doing this task. But then I tested positive for COVID and all that plan went out the window. Mm -hmm. So it's like basically just being... Yes, organized, but organized enough that you can take the hit if something happens. Yeah, flexibility and organization are two really big skills that you have to have in child life. And they do kind of contradict each other, but they are both very important for their own reasons. Along with the flexibility and the self-care piece, I think that it's important to start practicing those things early on in child life because it was tempting for me to spend all of my free time um, reading like extra assignments mm -hmm. or extra materials outside of my assignments for the practicum and like spending 24 seven in child life, making sure I was so prepared. But I knew that I recognized that for my mental and social health, I needed to spend time outside of child life with mm -hmm. friends and family that I had in the area and like set aside, even if it was just a short time, set aside those times to make sure that I was cared for so that I could show up best when I was at my practicum and I could soak it all in and I could learn optimally, um, which I think was, again, really helpful to start practicing early on before we're employed as certified mm -hmm. child life specialists. So Yeah. Building off that thought, uh, I really like that thought because I was, you know, in school, self-care, 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 make sure you're doing self-care, self-care. You hear it a thousand times over and, you know, I learned how important it was at the beginning. But one thing I had to learn over time was that that has to be something you check in with constantly because mm -hmm. all of the sudden stress can build and get too big. And those self-care things that you used to do or those coping techniques that you had that were so reliable may not work. And, you know, having a backup and lists of different things that make you feel fulfilled that you can start going through and going down is really valuable in those moments where the other things don't work, um, you know. I had that happen and it was, oh my gosh, my first thing doesn't work, panic mode. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to go from a place of complete disequilibrium to, 
oh, let's build some coping techniques. Let's build some mm-hmm. self-care activities. You know, it, do those things when you are regulated. Do those things when you have the time to explore new things and also have the, the mental strength to do that. Um, and just build your list so that if that one thing doesn't work, you can try something new. Yeah. So when thinking about your practicum, do you feel like you had a well-rounded practicum experience? Was there things that stuck out to you as impressive or that you wish your practicum included more of? In my mind, I'm thinking sometimes I hear about practicums and because the ACLP has no obvious like um, recommendation or something in writing saying this is how a practicum has to be done. And now that practicums are kind of a hot topic in child life. They, they don't need to be completed before an internship as per the ACLP. But with that being said, sometimes you get practicums that are very play-based where, where the student is kind of in the playroom the whole time, or you have it where it's more procedure-based and it's like you're attached at the hip with your child life specialist doing all the things that they're doing. So talk a little bit about your practicum experience and how that was either play-based, procedure-based, that type of thing. Yeah, that was that was kind of a big surprise for me. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it that the fact it wasn't you know an overall well rounded type mm-hmm. practicum. Even with it being out of the country, I, I was ignorant to what it would look like, or you know, because when these companies that you're you know contracting to go through to go to these places, they're going to tell you all the good stuff. They're going to tell sure. you all the things you're going to see and all the experiences you're going to have and. Hardly are they diving into your day to day and what yeah. it's going to look like in the hospital. And, you know, that was day one. We walk in and realize, oh, so we're in a clinic that normally in, in the West, you know, you go in with your parent or mm-hmm. a person you trust. And then it's you and the doctor. It's private and things like that. Whereas we walked in and we're in a clinic setting with patients lined up all down the hallway and 10 kids in a room that would be an individual room out here. Mm-hmm. And then they move into a smaller room where there were three doctors doing three separate exams. And, you know, it forces that play based and, and you lose out really on pretty much all procedural prep, mm-hmm. especially when you have one supervisor for, you know, seven or eight people. Yeah. Uh, and so that is where, you know, when those moments happen. I think going back to what I had mentioned before, you really got to get what you put into it, mm-hmm. you know, uh, come to that acceptance of what it's going to be and how are you going to benefit it for yourself? And that's something that I was glad we got the experience on the first day that we did because I had to do some soul searching that night and realize that, okay, it's been multiple years since I graduated. And while I was at the school, and I was getting all that information of procedural prep. It had been two years. I was mm-hmm. rusty. I was thinking that practicum was going to be my, you know, saving grace to bringing it all back. And it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So instead, I had to focus very heavily on child-led play and building my skills there. I had to focus very heavily on assessments, going through all of the developmental levels and, and seeing what we're looking for and how we can intervene in appropriate ways for that child, for that family in that culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on, again, another one observation. And I think this is where you can have that kind of overall thing, whatever your practicum is, you can observe, mm-hmm. you can observe your supervisor, you can observe other students, you can observe children playing, you know, taking time to really not just watch something, but break it down and, and try to figure out how it works or why it works or why it doesn't, mm-hmm. it can really advance that overall experience for yourself. I think mine was fortunately kind of an opposite experience. I had a very, very well-rounded practicum experience. I think my program was a really developed one. There are over 40 child life specialists in the particular hospital I was at. Wow. And I got to engage with, oh gosh, probably at least like 15 of them. There were I, I got to ask questions and everyone was so receptive and the whole hospital was really receptive to child life as a whole, which was great to see. But I got to see everything from like a one day surgery. I got to see like surgery preps, IV starts, anesthesia injections, all of that kind of stuff. And then in the inpatient and ED, I got to see everything from mm-hmm. uh, trauma to fracture fixations and laceration repairs, port access, lumbar puncture, G-tube education, a bereavement. Um, like most people I feel don't get all of that yeah. up front in their practicum, which I feel so fortunate to have witnessed because I've really like 
I mean, practicums are, you're getting your, your feet wet, you're getting a real first look at, is this a field I want to go into? And I feel that I saw everything there was to see, almost everything there was to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very procedural based. We, we did see some play, like medical play with IV and mask preparations for surgery, but a lot of it was built into the procedural preparation aspect, which I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I think that now in my internship going forward, I'm going to be looking for more opportunities for therapeutic play and more structured medical play. But mm-hmm. um, going into the, my practicum, they told us this is a more procedure-based program, which I thought was really good that they recognized mm-hmm. and they told us up front what it was about. I think my experience was super well-rounded and prepared me for a lot. Yeah, that sounds great. This is Haley again. Um, I kind of feel the same way. I believe or had a similar experience. My practicum was a very well-rounded, goodness words, (laughs) experience. (laughs) And honestly, I couldn't speak more highly of my time. I had kind of a unique seven-week accelerated program. So we were offered either a 14-week program or a seven-week. And just due to trying to maintain a job back in Atlanta and, you know, going through my master's, I was like, the seven-week would be a little bit easier. I could go and stay for a couple of days, knock out three shifts in a week and come back. but coming from working as a professional in a pediatric healthcare setting at the time to falling back into a student role certainly had the opportunity to um, present a lot of challenges. But my supervisors really just took me right up under their wing, never made me feel as though I was just just a student standing in the corner observing. I think my past experience really gave me the ability to be comfortable around hospitalized patients and families. So I was kind of able to advocate and verbalize for myself, just that I was willing to try new things and was really given the opportunity for a lot of hands-on learning. I feel like my practicum also was really just an even mix of play and procedure based. One day I'd be playing Uno, building rapport and working on my active listening skills in the ED with a behavioral health patient. And then the next day we're prepping a kiddo for a lumbar puncture and a bone marrow aspiration. So Mm -hmm. each day was very different. But with my practicum, one thing that really stuck out to me is very impressive that I am so thankful that I had the opportunity for was at the very end of um, At the very end, on our last day, we had the opportunity to take part in a mock scenario um, in which we were in the role of a child specialist prepping a patient for um, an IV. So essentially, we were given a patient scenario, age, reason for admission, who was at bedside, and we literally started from step one, rounding with the patient's nurse, introducing services, answering all patient and caregiver questions, and then carried all the way through the IV preparation and education. And so this opportunity really gave me or helped me to realize just how much I had grown over the course of the short seven weeks of my time there, but also most importantly showed me where my areas of improvement were moving forward into the internship role and also as a future uh, professional. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I love that. It was an awesome experience. Um, this is Jenny talking. I actually think I got very, very lucky in my practicum. My supervisor was a one-person program, so we were all over the hospital. <laughs> and then the first day when she met me, she was like, okay, so I know this is a practicum, but I'm going to treat it as a mini internship. Mm-hmm. So she gave me a binder, and she was like, you're doing a project's needs, you're doing interviews, you're doing case studies, you're doing culture awareness um uh, you know, program, like she gave me the whole thing. Wow. Um, She made me join webinars for the ACLP. I was actually one that um, Jessica presented her work at schools. So yeah, like I was in the PQ, I was in the NICU, I was in PEDS. So it was a lot of things. I got to see a lot of DKA with teenagers. I saw a lot of fractures, a lot of gun shoot wounds, um, A lot of appies. That was very surprising for me. Like the amount of kids that come to the hospital for appies, mm-hmm. it was amazing. It was like a lot or like burst appies too. So it was a lot of procedure in the room. I was following my supervisor all day long, but she was also very like, oh, you need to. The only way you're going to learn is you just go and do it. So she will be there in the room, but I have to introduce services. I have to do education for IV. 
Um, I had to talk to parents, make sure the parents were comfortable, they had all their needs covered. We had a lot of Spanish-speaking families, um, and I, I'm bilingual, so I got to do teachings in Spanish and English. And she was never like, oh, no, let's do it just in English. She was like, no, mm -hmm. go for it, like, get used to it, get comfortable. And she would give me a lot of feedback at the end of the day. She did like a midterm evaluation and she literally told me like in four weeks, if I don't see you have a future in this, I'm going to tell you and you're going to turn around and you're going to leave the program. So wow. it was it was a lot of pressure. She yeah. Was like, yeah. At four weeks, if I don't see like you're doing it, I'm going to call your director and, you know, we're dropping you off. I was like, OK. So it was a lot of pressure. And then um, she will review my case studies, my journal. In the end of my journal, she will make notes like, yes, but tell me the reason behind this idea. Uh, or we'll be walking. And she was like, tell me Piaget's stages. Tell mm -hmm. me where this, the theory behind this patient. So it was always keeping me on my toes. Like, yeah, like I need to have my theory and I need mm -hmm. to have my, my skills ready at any time because it was just like, oh, go for it, jump into it. So yeah, she was, I was very lucky to have our supervisor and she also not only in the part of like doing the job, she was very good at telling me to set my boundaries. Mm -hmm. Like you were cleaning the playroom. She was like, it's 5 PM, drop the toys and go. Mm. You're not going to stay over time. This is your boundary. This is your time. Now you leave the hospital and it's your time. So she will always make sure like, do not bring things from your home to give away to kids like do not do mm -hmm. that yeah. like set your boundaries right now if not you're gonna get burned out super easily once you get into the field so um i think i had a lot of support in that area too and she was like this is not time for you to do homework mm -hmm. this is a time for you to learn how to do the thing mm -hmm. and feedback she was very good on feedback and i was very uh thankful for that so i think that my experience made me more confident in being in a hospital it was my first time as a volunteer, um, I was more in the playroom. Right. And you sometimes cannot go into the rooms because mm -hmm. there are kids in isolation and because, you know, legal reasoning, you cannot go into the room to just stay in the playroom. Uh, but now in practicum, like, I just got to build my confidence. That sounds like a very intense practicum. I'm sure, <laughs> like, obviously, you sound like you learned so much. I know for my personality, that would have probably terrified me. <laughs> I don't know if I would have learned well. Um but that's very cool. It's really interesting to hear you say that because I, I don't want to speak for you in any way. Just from my perspective, first thing that pops into my head if I you go through that day one is overwhelming. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's just all at once and something, you know, I was just having a conversation about this with a cohort member who just entered her internship. And she called me the first day nearly in tears, overwhelmed for mm -hmm. a variety of reasons, some similar to yours, some not. And I think back to my first day out in my practicum, and it was more not knowing what was coming. Mm -hmm. That was the overwhelming part. And, you know, I think if I had any advice for people, it's it's just most of the time I say, you know, stay in that present moment. What do you mm -hmm. have control over now, which is applicable there, but also you know, remember to have faith in yourself. Remember to have faith in the education you put in. You didn't get that practicum for no reason. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's one of those things, as long as you can have faith in who you are as a person, your work ethic, what you're willing to put into the process, you have the ability to kind of stop yourself and think, okay, how am I going to feel about this at the end of my practicum? You know, it's, it's one of those things you will get there with time, those things you'll start to pick up and learn, but it takes time and giving yourself the grace to say, okay, this is overwhelming right now, mm -hmm. but this isn't forever. This mm -hmm. isn't how I'm going to feel at week, you know, whatever, when you're walking up at the end of your practicum or the end of your internship or the end of week one in your first week as a childlike specialist, you know, we grow and evolve as people in every aspect of our lives. And it is so important to give yourself the grace to do it in child life as well. I would love to move on to our next section that we have here. I had put a Q&A box on my Instagram stories and had people submit some questions they have about the practicum experience. So the first question I have is, what would make you feel internship ready? I think that's a completely individual question for anybody. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's a generalized answer for that. I think, you know, approaching your beginning of an internship with that based you know, what are my strengths? What mm -hmm. are my weaknesses? What are the things I need to focus on? And really having a clear view of that, it's up to you to determine the things that you need to do to feel like you're positive and like you can be 
a support to people when you walk through the door instead of, you know, oh my gosh, I'm shutting down because I wasn't ready. Yeah, I think any amount of hands-on work is helpful. Like I got to introduce services for the last week of each rotation, and that was just a tiny bit of hands-on, much less than Jenny, but it was like definitely needed. I think any amount of hands-on is needed for internship readiness, as well as supervisors who are willing to answer your questions and give feedback. And if you have opportunities to speak to other child life specialists or even interns, if they're at this hospital at the same time as you, to just talk and ask questions and be transparent of like, am I internship ready? What do you think? Like, where do you see areas I need to grow? So just communication, I'd say with your supervisors. The next question I have is, did any of you have to juggle being in practicum while applying for internships at the same time? And if so, how did you manage? This is Jenny talking. Um, Yes, (laughs) I was doing my practicum and applying uh, for internship at the same time. My practicum was from January to March and the deadline for fall internship was March. Mm -hmm. So during that time, like any free time, I had my spreadsheet and I added like the hospitals I wanted to apply. I had also we had a new application at the same time. Oh gosh. So yeah, so I was calling and emailing hospitals like, hey, are you sending the new application or the old application? Mm -hmm. So I would make a spreadsheet like new application, old application, just to have everything they needed um, to make sure my paperwork was complete so they can even consider my application because I, I learned this some hospitals just cause your application and you don't have anything complete. I made sure I had the time like at least once a week set up like okay Friday from three to five I'm gonna dedicate it only for internship application. Like that's my time of the week to just do that and not mm-hmm. focus on like oh I need to do this assignment or I need to do uh, my journal for practicum. It was just internship for that time. Yeah that's how I manage but it's gonna depend on everybody how they manage their time. And how many hospitals are applying? I apply like 20 hospitals. So it's, wow. people apply to more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And hopefully with the new um, next round of applications, there's more information and more uh, people are more ready for the new application than when I was applying to as well. Yeah. Yeah. Originally, I had planned to do that. It was kind of one of those we came back from our trip and then the next round was applications due in 11 days. Oh, and <laughs> yeah, so it was. You know, everybody out there was working on things and, and mm-hmm. trying to prepare. But I had some life stuff that, you know, told me I wasn't ready and I, w- I wasn't going to enjoy the stress uptick. And I think that was a huge savior for me because, you know, even if you're not in the midst of a practicum, you might be working a lot. You mm-hmm. might have out- things mm-hmm. outside in, in your life that, that take precedence of your mental ability to be present. And I think really checking in with yourself, understanding that even with this new application, the stress uptick is there, yeah. you know, from this. It's, it's like, I can't tell you how long I spent over those five essay questions, overthinking my answers and mm-hmm. overthinking the grammar. And because of all these things we know, well, some hospitals will throw your application out because you're missing grammar and yeah. things like that. So there is that stressful aspect to it that's going to be there and it doesn't go away. It, it's like, okay, you turn these things in and then the very next week, Two weeks, three weeks might be cool, but then the pressure of, oh my gosh, am I going to get any interviews? Mm -hmm. And then if you do, the pressure of, oh my gosh, I have interviews. So really making sure to check in. Are you in a place in your life where you can take that uptick of of pressure and of stress uh, is, is pretty important. The next question I have is, did your practicum ever make you doubt child life? This is Haley again. Um, I wouldn't say that my actual practicum experience itself made me doubt the field of child life. But looking back, I think the application process certainly did. Mm -hmm. Um, Throughout the the journey, I've heard the phrase, it only takes one a Mm -hmm. thousand and one times. But that just doesn't make their rejections any easier, right? Mm -hmm. Like we pour our hearts and our soul and time and energy into these applications, squeezing everything that we possibly can into 150 words or less, um, only to get that dreaded email that essentially says, thanks for your interest in our program at X hospital. You know, we're sorry to inform mm-hmm. you. We can't offer you a practicum. The decision was difficult, but you know, best of luck in your future endeavors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll never forget receiving five denial emails back to back in a time span of just, just a few days and immediately thinking to myself, okay, Haley, you need a plan B, C, D, and E for a career path. Should you, you know, not land a practicum. And so it was mentally and emotionally exhausting, but fortunately, not only did I have a husband and parents and friends that were um, truly one of my biggest cheerleaders, but I also had that drive that I knew that I needed to keep going and Again, it only took one, but that still just doesn't make it, you know, any easier to hear. So I for sure did 
kind of doubt, like, am I on the right path? Like, why am I getting so many rejections that this is what I know Mm -hmm. I'm meant to do and I'm so passionate about? Well, this is Jenny. I don't think I had any doubt. Like, I think the same thing was the system, how it worked. Mm -hmm. It was more discouraging. Like, am I going to make it? Because everybody, at least in my school, was like, oh, it's very competitive. You have to stand out. You have to make sure you have something else to offer from everybody else. Um, So I think that was a hard part, like trying to adjust to that. But during practicum, I I think it did quite the opposite. Like, I think it made me sure that this is for me. Yeah, I can answer this question because I did actually doubt child life during my practicum. So go on this little journey with me. So Jessica was uh, a practicum student and my supervisor and us, like we were both eating lunch. I remember we had like tacos and burrito bowls and stuff and we had gotten a call for an NG tube and this was like the fifth NG tube that I had watched and my supervisor just put her fork down and walked out and went to help this kid and this kid projectile vomited to the end of the bed and I am standing in the corner watching this and I left because I cannot do puke whatsoever And I go back to the office and I sit down and I'm like, I'm not going to be able to be a child life specialist because I can't be in the room when people are throwing up. Like, is this not something that I can do? And my supervisor comes back in, washes her hands, sits down and continues to eat her burrito bowl. And I was like, absolutely not. I could never. And I ended up having a conversation later that week of like, every time this happens, I have to leave the room. Like, I'm not going to be a good child life specialist because I can't do what you're doing. And I remember she was like, you are watching it from like the corner of the room and it is so discouraging to not be able to provide support when you're in my seat and you're standing next to the patient and you're providing that support. There's something that happens in your body where you're taking over that adrenaline of being that support person and helping that patient through that experience. And that makes sense. Cause like, when I would get sick as a kid, my mom would sit in the bathroom and help me. And like, there's just something that comes over you when you're the support person. It's not my favorite thing, obviously, to help support kids when they're throwing up. But I, when I was in my internship and I was a child life specialist, I could do it and it wasn't hard. So I think I constantly get messages on Instagram from students wondering, like, can I do this if I'm scared, especially for people who do have a problem when other people are throwing up. It like makes them want to throw up. And I will say I am living proof that it's possible. And like, it does really, it's something that happens in you when you are in the support role that is very different from being just the person standing in the corner of the room, kind of helpless. So that definitely was a time in my life where I did doubt child life. The last question I have is since practicums aren't required anymore, what are the pros and cons of doing one before an internship? I will say I can only speak from my perspective and my own opinion, uh, but I would say do the practicum. Don't try to skip it. Don't try to be the hero that doesn't do it. Uh, I've yet to talk to anybody in my time through this field who has pulled off getting an internship without a practicum because I can't tell you how many of my internship questions were about my practicum. And though when we do don't have one, then the question becomes, well, you didn't do one. So what have you done in your free time? And, you know, for sure, if you're the superstar volunteer and you have all these hours and they're all specifically where they need to be and, you know, and, and you really believe in yourself in that interview process, then great. Uh, go for it. It's your journey. <laughs> you know, But I will tell you that even having done a practicum, the doubt bubbles that pop up into your head when you don't have the right answer or something you think is the right answer or a good answer uh, in that interview process, it's really brutal. And so to have moments from that practicum to to reflect on and to close your eyes and go back to and really work through in that moment were very helpful for me. Even though it was a little more scattered, some of that practicum really set me apart from other candidates. And, and, you know, it added to my own story. If you have the opportunity to go to a practicum, I think it's a confidence builder. It's an experience that's usually, a you know, even if it's got its negativities, mm-hmm. it teaches you a lot. And I feel like that's a positive in itself. So my opinion would be just do the practicum if you can. Yeah. And I'll just quickly piggyback off. This is Haley again, um, off of what Connor said, just 
uh, I think the only pro that I can really think of to not doing it is it takes away a financial stress that a lot of students experience, whether mm-hmm. that's from just having to put their current career on hold, moving temporarily or travel expenses going back and forth. But the cons of not having one, for me, practicum really tied everything together as to what a day in the life of a child specialist looked like. And so from therapeutic play to procedure prep to bereavement and memory making, had I not had this experience, I feel like heading into my internship, there just wouldn't have been enough time for me to go from an observational experience to learning and growing in my independence as a specialist. And so lastly, child specialists are lifelong learners, constantly Mm -hmm. adapting to changes in the field and the impact that hospitalization has on patients and families. So I think it's crucial to have as much experience as possible to, one, help us stand out as future professionals applying for internships and jobs one day, but also allowing us to be better future advocates for our patients and families because we did have that observational experience. And then really, I know I said lastly, but this is really (laughs) lastly, um, I think the opportunity to go and learn in a new hospital setting that we've never been in before Mm -hmm. and stepping outside of our comfort zone early on really allows for new ideas and unique perspectives to be brought uh, forward into our future careers. This is Jenny. I agree with all of you. Um, Also, it's a time for you to get to know yourself more and understand your triggers, like maybe like the Putin story, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, Maybe this is the time that I know I cannot do this. Oh, yes, I can do it. Yeah. And you know your limits, you know your boundaries, and also you build your confidence and you build your skills. And uh, like Connor was saying, some internships, they want you to talk about experience in the hospital. And sometimes volunteer work, it's not enough to talk Mm -hmm. about it. I know for my internship uh, interview, they asked me, tell me an experience in the hospital that make you sure that this was a path for you. So if Mm. you don't have a practicum, where do you pull that answer from? Like if you don't have that experience like in depth um, in a hospital, because as a volunteer, you might not have all access to everything as a volunteer. But as a practicum student, you have to go in depth into everything. Yeah. So I think, yeah, if like for financial reasons, maybe it's something you cannot do. But if you are able and you have the opportunity, I think this is something you should be doing. I, I like what you said about, you know, it, you not really getting the whole experience as a volunteer. I did my 100 hours in the hospital before I did my practicum, and I felt like a play toy. Mm-hmm. I felt like the, the toy that they sent into the room to distract kids, and that's completely different than using the things that you're learning in your child life classes and in those 10 courses. It really is a valuable time to, you know, A, look at, is this for me? But B, learn how you are going to incorporate what you learned into your interaction with kids, because there is no size one size fits all child mm-hmm. life specialist. You yeah. know, we talk about best practice, but that's what it is. It, it's best practice. And, you know, you have to alter that best practice to the way that you connect with mm-hmm. kids, because I feel like, you know, I feel like I can talk for most people <laughs> in this one. Kids can read lies like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. You know, they can read when you're not comfortable. They can read when you're not ready. They mm-hmm. can read yes. when you're not interested in that moment because that's what they're doing. They're observing mm-hmm. their environment all the time and learning from it. And if you're walking into an internship, having been a volunteer toy, you know, to people and try to pull that off, yeah. the stress will be high and those kids will know. Yeah. Yes. And also in your practicum, you get to used to the medical language mm-hmm. um, and then mm-hmm. you build a relationship with the nurses and the doctors and you feel more comfortable asking, like, can you tell me what this medication does mm-hmm. <laughs> or can you tell me like about this diagnosis? You feel more comfortable and you feel like you own being a child life. Like this is not something that is just giving to you like, oh, I'm I'm working for it. I'm studying for it. I'm preparing myself for it to offer the services. So I think, yeah, it's a very valuable experience if you can do it. Yeah, I would love to go into the closing questions that I ask everyone. This conversation has been so, so good. Thank you. What's one tangible action step that you would tell someone listening today to get them on a good path as they navigate either applying for practicum or a piece of advice for once they get their practicum? Step one, get your foot in the door of a pediatric hospital, whether that's volunteering, child life assistant, patient Mm -hmm. safety sitter, um, anything that'll just expose you uh, to hospitalized patients and families, really allowing you to just get comfortable in that setting. And then advice for once you secure your practicum, just 
be you're about to be a sponge. So mm-hmm. be ready to absorb as much information as possible. Ask questions and don't be afraid to ask to try something or practice something with your supervisor. They're mm-hmm. there to support you and walking beside you the entire entire time. And you're going to have some hard days in your practicum, whether you're just mentally exhausted or you're a part of a really hard case. So advocate for yourself um, and don't be afraid to say that was really hard for me. Can we talk about it? Mm-hmm. I'll never forget observing a memory making after a trauma that came in and it absolutely wrecked me. I needed time to process everything that happened. It ended up just sitting with my supervisor in silence for a few minutes before I was actually ready to talk about why that was so hard for me. But that time and conversation was so important for allowing me to move forward as not only a better student, but a professional. Yeah. Yeah. Building off that, I think for me, it was learning that I needed to check in with myself a lot more regularly than I did. I feel like when you're in the midst of high stress, when you're in the midst of life in general, that bottling up feelings, bottling up emotions and experiences, it happens quite naturally, oftentimes when you don't even realize it's happening. And when you add the stress of being a child life specialist and being an advocate for parents and, and, and their children and being a support, there's so much taking on of things that you don't even really know is happening in that moment. And so, you know, whether it's 10 minutes at the end of the night, self-reflection, meditation, going on runs and exercise, again, back to those self-care factors, while you're doing them, check in with yourself. What was hard? What was easy? Mm -hmm. What are things that you want to talk about with your supervisor? Write them down. Ask the questions. Put yourself in uncomfortable situations to feel stress. Do whatever you can to get to know yourself more so that these questions aren't popping up three years into your time as a child life specialist when that burnout really starts to kick in and and you wonder if you can keep going. Mm -hmm. I do have a lot of students that follow along and listen to this podcast. So what's one thing that you'd say to them as a tip for moving through this profession as a whole? Believe in yourself mm-hmm. um, and just know that you're not expected to know the answers to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I said this earlier, but child specialists are lifelong learners. And so they're evolving and we are evolving with new information. And as a student, you're doing the exact same thing. So grasp onto that new information, apply it along the way. And I think most importantly, you've made it this far. So be confident and trust that you're capable of so much more than you realize. And I know I'm personally cheering you on. <laughs> I would say build bridges, don't burn them. Uh, You know, it's one of those things that, yeah, you may not totally get along with everyone you work with. That's life. But be as respectful as you can to people. Build those bridges so that they can see who you are as a as a child life specialist, who you are as a person so that maybe one day when you need them to back you up, they'll be there. Mm -hmm. I'm constantly still reaching out to the head of our program at my college. I'm still constantly reaching out to my supervisors from South Africa, both of them, even Mm -hmm. one who wasn't with me in the day to day. You know, those connections are so important, not only for your letters of recommendation, but it goes back to, you know, who do you talk to? Who are the people who know you best? It's probably the people who've been along the journey with you the longest, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so having those resources and, and really building those bridges as healthy as you can is super important. Yeah, I really like what Haley had to say. I think that learning uh, to have patience and grace with yourself is super important and that a non-traditional path can actually be really helpful. I've met a lot of people who are doing child life as a career change, didn't learn about it until later in life. And it actually sets them up with a lot of really cool experiences to bring into internship interviews and into their future work as a child life specialist. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think that students should begin building your value systems and your child life philosophies now. Um, Pull from everything that you see from different supervisors and different uh, patient experiences that you want to bring with you into your child life work, or maybe you want to adapt and make your own and write them down and really solidify like your, your values and your motivation behind your child life work. Mm -hmm. I think you say this to a lot of patients, but say this to yourself, you can do hard things and just walk with grace, walk with your purpose and just enjoy your journey is yours and you can make with it whatever you want to as long Mm -hmm. as you're being uh, faithful to your values and to who you are Mm -hmm. all right and the last question that i have i know you all are in your infancy of your child life journey but if child life is a wild life what's been the wildest part of your experience so far really (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i was gonna say i graduated with my master's in November of 2020. My last quarter was right in the middle of COVID. I had planned to go to South Africa 
three times before I went. Mm. COVID was a big part, but it just comes down to the overall thing of life. Yeah. Life doesn't stop mm-hmm. because child life starts. Child life yeah. is a part of your life as a greater whole. And, you know, just like we talked about checking in with yourself about child life and checking in about these experiences you have in the hospital. You have hours and hours and hours of time that you spend outside the hospital going through really difficult life things, you know, some fulfilling, some very much not so. And so, you know, really taking care of the whole you is a big one, because I can tell you there were a lot of times during COVID where for no other reason than I couldn't get the journey moving. I was wondering, is this it? Did I just really go to school and graduate with specialized degrees to quit before I even get to my practicum? But you know, it was out of my control. You focus on what you can control, focus on what you can continue to build as a strength going forward. And it's the best you can do, I gotta say. Yeah. I think for me, the wildest part of my journey so far, it's definitely not even into my practicum. It was my very first day off of orientation with my first job that I had landed in the hospital. I was so excited uh, to have just really started this journey, but I was working with the behavioral health population as a patient safety center. And I was in the emergency department at one of the hospital campuses that's just not in our safest area of town. So I was as you can imagine, already on pins and needles, but I'll never forget sweet little naive Haley. (laughs) I was very unaware of the temperament and challenging behaviors of the patient um, that I was going to be sitting with that day, but I just tried to be so calm and soothing, really just trying to meet the needs of the patient, offering them alternatives to things that they could and couldn't do, um, being, you know, one of our behavioral health kiddos, and I was shoved into a door, pinned up against the door, and the patient started screaming in my face, and in that moment, I quickly. Yes, that was, it's very real. I realized two things in that moment. Number one, I was about to have to grow some thick skin really fast (laughs) working in the world of pediatrics. Um, And two, how did I get myself in this situation and how do I get out of it? Um, Looking back, I can laugh about it in the moment. It was not funny at all. Of course, I left that shift in tears, but I'm Mm -hmm. really blown away looking back at just how much I've grown as a person and a and a professional. Um, but in that moment, I just was not sure that I made the right decision in my career path. <laughs> I would say I don't have a specific wild moment that I'm thinking of, but overall, I would say the connections in the field, like it's a small but mighty field. And mm-hmm. I feel that every single person I've met is, it's just been so neat to see the like, uh, there's behavioral health, there's mm-hmm. tri- like surgery, there's school settings, mm-hmm. like just every single person I met has the same heart behind child life and everyone is so supportive of each other and has the best interest for the kids whether however that plays out um, whatever it looks like for their specific practice but I think just seeing it all work together has been really really wild and really fun and really encouraging for me to know Mm -hmm. that like I'm not stepping into something that without support or that I'm stepping into something that I'm going to that's not what I envisioned because I don't know it's just such a great field and I've only had that passion grow meeting all the people I have so yeah I think what Connor said like life doesn't stop just because child life started mm-hmm. is the same for me like not like a specific wild experience but like when I got COVID in the hospital <laughs> I was doing my research class and I was on finals I was doing I was volunteering I was doing my practicum I was doing like all my case studies like it was a lot mm-hmm. um and life keeps going and you have to adapt and you have to do it. And I think that's child life. Like no, not all days look the same yeah. and you have to adapt. So every day can be wild <laughs> uh, if you think about it. So every day can be very different and you have to adapt. Like, like you say, you may have a child that is very patient and kind and just waiting for you to play with them. And they can be one like with Haley experience. Like yeah. you never know what's going to happen. And that can happen <laughs> in five minutes from one room to another or it can happen from coming to a playroom and the child like running in the halls and screaming mm-hmm. I want to go home I don't want to be here um yeah so it's I think it's just in general it's just wild yeah <laughs> thank you all so much for being on the child life wildlife podcast and sharing your wisdom with everybody about practicums and all things child life I appreciate you all thank, thank, you. thank you so much for having us thank you